Welcome, everyone, to the 10th episode of the Untitled Nick Cage Show. Double digits. Uh, we are almost to our one-year anniversary, Rachel. Is that true? Oh, I guess you're right, because it would be 12 episodes. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, what are we going to do? It's like, what, paper? Is that that anniversary? <laughs> so, like, We're so, going to send each other Nick Cage origami? Like... <laughs> <laughs> because like next week, we've already talked about it. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about play later, too, is the new movie, Unbearable yes. Weight. Yes, and then wait. on calendar is The Boy in Blue, which I have not oh, seen. Oh, me neither. I, I don't even think I've heard of it, aside from just like in passing when you've been putting together the list. I don't know yeah. what it's about. I don't know anything it's like, about it. Yeah, so there's like part of me that's like, do we like jump to one later on for a special one year? Like, do we do Snake Eyes or like City of Angels or something? I or see what you're saying. Hmm, that's a very good question. I'm not really sure. I am, My only fear is we're going to use up all the good ones if we keep finding I know, excuses. I know. <laughs> we keep going through like <laughs> Racing with the Moon and Cotton Club and then it's like, yeah. oh, so... <laughs> but yes uh yeah so yeah we are doing birdie um yes. first viewing for me first mm-hmm. viewing for you correct you know i think i saw this years and years and years ago but i didn't okay. remember a single thing about it except for i knew it was a name and i knew that it had something to do with like ptsd that's like it yeah i did not know anything i did see <laughs> that it was a uh what's it called that it was going to be a art house film and my art house filmography is very restricted to like modern art house Mm -hmm. movies so this was this was interesting but we have some stuff to get to before we get to that yes yes. uh what has been new with you since we last recorded Ooh, what have I been up to? Well, I did take a little girl's trip, which was a little bit of a mixed bag. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was very, very, very fun. I had a great time. We rented this house in Folsom, California, which if you've heard of Folsom, it's probably because of Johnny Folsom Cash. Prison. Yes, Johnny Cash. <laughs> exactly. Like, there's Johnny Cash stuff everywhere there. Um, and so it's kind of like a historic town. There's like a really cute historic downtown that we cool. stayed in. And we rented this house that was really cute. It was like this 1930s craftsman that they had fixed up. Mm-hmm. And it had an amazing pool. Like okay. it had a water. And you're and you're a big pool person. I am a big pool person. If yeah, I can you, get you and the, Devin would get along. I, I don't like going in the pools. Really if I, I can get my body in a body of water, like there's no stopping me. I'm like I will <laughs> Kool-Aid man through everything till I get my body in that body of water. So <laughs> um so yeah that was great and it was like heated so it was like 80 degrees the whole time in the pool it was amazing and they had like a gas fire pit and we did like a whole thing it was really cool really relaxing the problem was when you set foot outside of that you mentioned you came across some ohio people oh yeah some ohio vibes for sure so like okay so we went to the store and like got a bunch of stuff because i was going to make like a like a nice like cheese and meat plate because i'm of course thing. i do the same thing that is my new go-to so i understand of course i will be we will we will have to break out the charcuterie and uh in some gabagool yes gabagool for sure <laughs> <laughs> but so we went to sprouts which is kind of like kind of like a whole foodsy kind of place it's okay. a little hippy dippy i love sprouts there's we have them here locally 
And I was looking for the olives and there was like a nice, nice lady who was like, I love your dress. You know, like we were vibing, having a nice time. And except for this one very strange interaction, this was like my first sort of like bellwether interaction where she was like, oh, I love your outfit. You're so sunny and bright. We need color in these dark times. You know, this is a really nice town. You should go here. You should go there. This is a sheriff's town. You're really going to love it. I hope you have a great time. And I was like, okay, that was fucking weird. A sheriff's town? Yes. A What's that town. mean? Apparently what it means is like, it's very copy and very um, Blue Lives Matter okay. <laughs> vibes. Okay. Like to the point where there's blue, like the businesses have blue lives ladders flags flying out in front of all of them. Okay. And uh, they do not take kindly to uh, people coming into their places of business wearing a mask, despite the fact that we are still in the midst of a pandemic. I experienced my first sort of like anti-mask discrimination. We were discussing was... about this in Discord a little bit, and that's like yeah. one thing, like because you, you, obviously we were talking and we we're like, making plans yeah. and for the, the trip and everything, mm-hmm. and like I, I definitely had different feelings about it than you. But if someone wants to wear a mask, I do. Not I'm not care. sure what the problem is. Yeah, well, like, I mean... what is the issue? Like I, I, that is like one thing I just don't because like, I think I told you before, like Devin's mom one time, um, was giving Devin and I crap because we went to a concert. Um, it was a smaller venue, but we wore a mask while we were inside. Mm-hmm. And her mom was like harassing us. It was, like Taffy, wait, this was like, w- like way still in the pandemic times. And well, we're still in it, but like I'm talking like last year, like before mm-hmm. Omicron and everything. And it's like we aren't giving you crap. Like why are you harassing us? Like <laughs> I don't know what it do is. Do you? <laughs> it like really bothers people. Like it we does. got it's turned so away essentially at a restaurant. Like we came in and they're like. We're like, oh, we'd like to, you know, get a table on the patio, which, yeah. by the way, we had seen was empty except for one table. Uh-huh. Like, all the other tables were open. And she looked back at the, you could see through the window, the open table. She said, we don't have any open tables. We'll have to Shut call Shut up. Them. They turned us away from the waffle experience. <laughs> Oh, I so I, I just do it not was get it. wild and then there was like another place we went and bought some wine and they were like you know you don't need to wear those masks they're optional and we're like well we opt to leave them on and they were not nice to us I mean I got my wine but <laughs> so yeah it was weird. uh it was it was a very strange experience because it's only like two hours away from where I live where everybody still has masks on mm-hmm so it was just, you know, <clears throat> I guess it's just different in a sheriff's town. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a lot. I learned a new flag I didn't know existed. Which one was that? This one where, like, there, <laughs> Matilda was one of the people who went with me. And she described uh-huh. it. We were trying to figure out what it meant. She's like, does that mean that blue lives matter in, like, a reggae kind of way? Because it was, like, all of the reggae colors. But apparently what it is is it's, because uh, it was red green and um red green and blue i think so and firefighters yes uh policemen emt forestry apparently. forestry okay yep so i learned new things <laughs> yeah I, I i've seen the red line ones around here again yes i yeah <laughs> yeah 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 so it's weird it's very strange because the three vacations i've taken since like we've been venturing out were to southern oregon which is which i'm very proud of you by the way thank you Mm-hmm. Which is like deep, deep, like, like deep Trump country, like every Oregon? Is, 
Southern Oregon. Well, I mean, Oregon has a history, like, is a, so Portland is incredibly progressive. It's why there are so many, like, Proud Boys starting riots there and shit. But uh-huh. the rest of Oregon, for the most part, is really, really actually super deep red state. Really? Oregon, well, Oregon itself has an incredible. Wasn't there a, uh, don't they have, like, like, like separatists? It was, it was actually founded as a whites only state. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. And well, nobody ever talks about it. And that's the thing. And that's why those like awful sort of incredibly racist roots exist still to this day in Oregon. And like where my parents live, even though they're incredibly progressive, like my dad's like the one dude walking around in like a dumb Trump hat. Right. Um, (laughs) I'm not kidding. He had them made and like apparently it was quite a thing because the local proprietor did not want to make them. Um, Brave man. But it is, like, where they live, I, I didn't know this, is, like, the the KK capital, KKK capital of Oregon. Really? Um, yeah. It's, and that's a thing. Like, you think, oh, the South is where the racism is. No, baby. It's everywhere. <laughs> like, it is everywhere, including in the state that also houses Portland. It's, like, one of those things where you're, like, in Portland, you're, like, yay, keep it weird. It's queer. It's, you know, I mean, it's also the whitest city in the United States. But, like, <laughs> you know, there is some racial diversity there. I think it's getting, and it's, like, getting better, right? Uh-huh. But you step foot outside of Portland, and it's, like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I know that. I, that. That is a feeling that I know well. Yeah, I bet, right? And I'm sure it's probably the same way, like, in parts of Ohio that are, like, pretty progressive. And then you're, like, oh, Yes. Just kidding. And why yes. is every barn painted with like a American flag and why? Yeah, the farm next flag. to where Devin and I got married uh, was flying a Trump flag, and we tried to get it taken down, um, but they wouldn't. And so all our pictures, we just asked the photographer. So there's a couple pictures where like the camera's lower than you would expect it to be, and it's because <laughs> we didn't want that sky shot with the flag flying in there. Ugh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's, it's where I grew up. I'm used to it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's, it is interesting to kind of like, because I think it's always existed, but like now everybody is just like literally letting their flags fly. And you're like, okay, this is the invisible shit. Yeah. Invisible, and I mentioned invisible. to you that like Trump's coming five minutes from my house on Saturday. Oh my God. I bet you're so excited. You're going to walk down there. With JD Vance. Who is J.D. Vance? I don't actually even know. It's like kind of sad. So when he first came into the public square, I thought he was interesting. He wrote Pil- Hillbilly Elegy. Okay. And I found that as I mean, an interesting... That's a red flag, but okay. <laughs> and that, that was an interesting book for me because he grew up in southern Ohio. Um, His family had a lot of drug problems, like struggling from like the economic downturn that has affected a lot of communities in Ohio and stuff. And the book was like a reflection of him looking back on it after like being like ivy league educated and like thinking about things so it was kind of interesting um i I would put it more in the lines like you know elizabeth warren she wrote the two income trap Mm -hmm. like like really like like maybe not something i agreed with but an interesting perspective that i thought like added to the discourse right like he had like an interesting like economic ideas yes and now like he started out as like almost like an anti-trump republican like he had come out and said trump like should be impeached and stuff but now that he's starting to like win or be projected to be the republican nominee for the senate race uh trump is backing him and he's accepted the backing so yeah he's got to go kiss the ring yeah yeah it's just 
so yeah, me and Devin are going to do our grocery shopping early in the morning on Saturday <laughs> and then just lock the doors and just not venture out into town. Yeah. <laughs> that does not seem like a terrible idea. That's probably uh, that's probably the move. Yeah. Probably the move. I was so annoyed. Because like outside of us, like who he is and who we're bringing along, like at West Point we got a lot of presidential visitors. Mm-hmm. And it just it ruins like traffic. It's like super uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. You see snipers like in elevated locations. It's just not a fun experience. I saw snipers once. This is not police related, but I was driving to work and there mm-hmm. was this like kind of seedy like residential motel on the way. Okay. And I was stuck at a stoplight and I looked over to the left and there there was like SWAT coming in and and uh snipers on all the roofs. I was like, stay red, stay red, stay red, stay oh red. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I wanted to see it happen. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it was pretty exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so besides your girl trip, anything else? Uh that's kinda like the big thing off the top of my head and I feel like I've already rambled long enough. What about you? So a lot, but like we, I'm kind of going to get into some of it later in the cage yeah. rage. Uh, fair, fair. But the biggest thing is I've been on a book kick, which has been really nice. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I know what you've been reading. Yes. So I finished <laughs> Return of the King. Uh huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff in those books that I don't remember happening, mainly because like I've watched the movies so much. Yeah. That that's kind of the narrative. So like I totally forgot the hobbits had to take back the Shire. Oh, yeah, I, I don't remember that at all. I think I read that when I was It's like the last, high. like, four chapters of the book. Whoa, I don't remember that at all! Yeah, and it, it was done really well, and, like, by the end of it, like, when Sam was, like, you know, like, starting his life after Frodo left, like, it was a, it was emotional. It, 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 Lord of the Rings is just really special, and I, I like yeah, it. Me too. Um, I finished Devolution by Max Brooks. I need to, I've been meaning to check that out, and then the reviews were kind of meh, but then you're saying it's good. Oh, I, I blew through in, like, three days. Okay, because I loved World War Z. Yes, so did Devin. It's actually World War Z is one of Devin's favorite books of all time. It's a great book. So she got Devolution on launch, and then when I had finished like another book, uh, it was like almost like a Bad Bunch meets Redwall. So like mice and like squirrels going off on like a we're all gonna die mission. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's called The Builders. It's very short. It's like two hundred pages. It's super okay. short. It, it, it's interesting. Um, but I finished that. I went downstairs and I was like, I want to get a new book. I want to get a new book. And that was there. And I was like, okay, I'll start it. And it was just amazing. I liked it more than World War Z. Uh, Devin did not. Um, she, she did, she did like it. She does like it, but it was, she doesn't, World War Z is on a different level for her. Right. But I thought it was really interesting. I think Max Brooks does a really good job of like creating characters that have nuance and like like all of his characters go on growth journeys and i like that so there's like no just like static characters who just kind of sit there and don't change right um and he's also really good at like describing scenarios like he obviously you read world, world war z so you know how he describes a lot of like the offensive maneuvers and everything against the zombies yeah. there's yeah. some stuff like that in this i mean he, he's so good at it that he's literally a professor at west point at their war games center hmm. did not know that yeah um very 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 interesting stuff um but i finished that last night and then i started uh what's it called the uh only good indians i've had this on my to read list how is it i am on the third chapter it's good i will be reading it after we get off here okay is there any anything else that you've been reading 
Yes. <laughs> uh, I am joining, obviously, as you know, the zombie girls for another venture into the world of VC Andrews. <laughs> uh, we are doing Heaven, which is the first book in the Castile yeah. Quant trilogy, quantology, whatever. I the think five quintology. Bo- There's five. Yeah. Quintology. Um, my sweet Audrina had a lot of like <laughs> subtle nods before it went off the rails in like the yeah. last quarter. Yeah. I know. The way to describe I... is still. Like, There's. Oh my. You guys are not going to miss yeah. this book club. Oh my god. This is. <laughs> yeah. If you're not a patron, like now is the time. Oh my god. Because. Uh, yeah, pretty soon we're going to be hackling heaven and Larry will be joining us. And <laughs> right now we're like, there you go. <laughs> but yes, if you want to hear us talk in detail about heaven, it is coming up over on the Patreon. Um, oh, it's going to be great. So before we get into the review, we yes. do have some breaking cage news. Cage news. So my big story, which isn't that big of a story to article to cite with it, but... As of recording this, this weekend, the unbearable weight of massive talent yeah, releases. I'm so excited. I have looked into no reviews of it, but I have seen that it's doing pretty well, that a lot of people really mm-hmm. like it, mm-hmm. that it is what we were hoping it would be, a nice love letter to the career of Nick Cage and not mm-hmm. a condescending or like malicious kind of thing. Yeah. I Our plan is to go see it on Sunday. We were going to go on Saturday, but again, we're not leaving our house because I'm not dealing with the traffic yep. or the people mainly. Yep, 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 yep. So we're planning on seeing on Sunday. Are you going to see it this weekend? Yes, I wanna, I'm going to try to see it on Sunday as well. That's Are you going to go to the Chinese theater? No. Oh. <laughs> Are you talking about, wait, the Chinese theater? Are you talking about like in LA? Well, the, you sent a picture. You went to like a, like a, wasn't that the Chinese theater? I thought you oh, posted a picture. Just... Uh, that's you... just our regular ass theater yeah oh that's the, okay that is the one i'm gonna go okay to. Yep, i, I yep, thought that yep. was a chinese theater you sent the pictures like it's so pretty like okay, okay it's a really it has like a really pretty atrium but uh i think it was more just like it felt like church because i was like, I'm yes back. i understand that <laughs> and i no. and speaking of church i go when everybody else is at church it's mm-hmm. great it's me and like three other like 75 year old heathens it's perfect yeah for people and like i'm trying because we, we also want to see everything everywhere all at once devin yes. wants to see that Yep, it's supposedly excellent. And then I, I want to see The Northman. Oh, um, duh. Of course we need to see The Northman. I mean, it's Robert Eggers. It's it's a done deal. Yeah, but, but unfortunately, the local theater here in town is only doing Sonic and, like, two other kids' movies. Yeesh. So we're going to have to venture into Columbus to go see these, so. Yeesh. Okay, well, Godspeed, my friend. Thank you. But but that <laughs> but that, that, that's all I had. How about you? Oh, well, there was a little bit of news because obviously he's doing a ton of press right now. And I thought uh, he did specifically an interview with, I believe it was Vanity Fair, okay. where they talked about a bunch of stuff. And I just thought I'd pull out a couple of interesting kind of notes that came out of this. Sure. Because, you know, the more we know about Cage, the more he is an enigma. And I love him. All right. So first of all, they were asking him about like getting back into comedy and how he's super excited to finally be returning to the genre because he's basically been doing other genres like a lot of thriller horror sci-fi whatever right it's been 15 years since he did a comedy before this and so he is excited to do it again but there is one genre left what was uh prisoners of ghostland then i mean a crime (laughs) 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 
unintentionally funny. I don't know. Kind of like, you know, the whole Wicker Man thing. God, yes. I can't wait till we get to Wicker Man. It's, I know. I cannot wait. If That might be my birthday select, actually. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I have not seen it all the way through. Ooh. Oh, we're gonna definitely do that for my birthday um okay but the one genre he has not properly done is a musical and that is something he really wants to do i'm here for it i'm in i i, I feel like he might chew up the scenery like imagine him what what musical would you like to see him star in oh man uh i'm thinking like the music man something where he can be like super theatrical with it right the producers oh that's the answer right there i want to see him as the uh mm-hmm. the titular producer yep nope that's the right answer and then get Nailed someone it. to come in as gene wilder some young up-and-coming kind of person yeah i could see like, like taking somebody under his wing Mm-hmm. and he needs to be able to camp you know like he has to be able to camp it up and, and if I know they do you have it- an you have kind of a so-so relationship with camp, but in a musical, is camp acceptable? Oh, 100%. They, okay. Most okay. musicals should be campy, if done right, okay. I think. Okay. That's why I, I didn't really care for the Les Mis musical. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big Les Mis fan, mm-hmm. but like your Sweeney Todd's and stuff, I am, I'm here for it. Or Moulin Sweeney, Rouge. Oh, my God, Sweeney Moulin Todd Rouge. Todd would be another really good one. Like, if he could be the butcher of whatever... Speaking of those, real quick, do you know Boz Lerman's next movie is coming out? Elvis? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it looks like it's not going to shy away from the darker side of Elvis, so I'm pretty excited. Is that right? I, I know so little about Elvis the person. There's some interesting stuff. He, he's a very interesting character. Uh, definitely a product of his times. Um, mm-hmm. But I I think Boz Lerman's probably like a top three director of mine, easily. I think it's him, Scorsese, and Tarantino. And... Mm. Nary a lady in the bunch. I'm sorry. Larry, 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 I'm sorry. Larry, Larry. I'm sorry. You need to watch more women-directed film, I think. I think that's the takeaway. Uh, I'm going to start making all my forcings women-directed <laughs> films now. <laughs> we got to well, bump one to, of them out of there. <laughs> to, to be fair, uh, until recently, we haven't been promoting a lot of women directors. So during my formative years, a lot of movies I was getting were no, mainly male-directed. Yeah, no, definitely. But but I, yes, I'm, I'm just I'm just giving you shit. Like <laughs> I think most most people's list would look like that because they don't spend a bunch of time like seeking out women directed mm-hmm. films. Um, but I feel like some are going in the forced list. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, so the other bit of news yes. I thought was interesting from this was he talked about the infamous Superman film that sadly never came to be. Which is a potential bonus thing we might work on at some point one day. I abs- we absolutely have to. We must. We I, must. That documentary is just there for us to sit and take in. Oh, yeah. Yes. And it would give yeah. us a reason to go back and watch Burton's Batman. I mean, I, I haven't watched... I have not watched Tim Burton's Batman in 20 years. I'm more of a... F- like, so I love it, but I actually like Batman Returns a lot more. I thought you liked... Oh no, well, that's not. But it's not your favorite. Your favorite no, is forever. forever. Yeah. Batman yeah. Forever is my forever favorite. Yes, like if 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 this new Batman movie, did you finish it? No, I've watched. I I have a terrible attention span. <laughs> I've watched one hour. <laughs> okay, even though I think that this is the best portrayal we've ever gotten of Bruce Wayne Batman, um, mm-hmm. on the the silver screen, my favorite is 
Batman Forever. That's fair. Val Kilmer and Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey and Nicole Kidman and just Seal. <laughs> like it's it's just all there. Are we just gonna act like Batman versus Superman never happened? Is is that what we're doing on this show? Um, the R rated the R rated version is not bad. <laughs> you liar! It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyways, <clears throat> so he, they asked him about this and about how they basically mentioned how like Tim Burton had cast him to be Superman, and uh, Cage wanted to set the record straight. So I pulled this quote. He says, "Tim Burton did not cast me; I cast Tim Burton." They wanted Rennie Harlan, and he's a nice guy and perfectly capable. But for me, the vision I had for Call L was more of a Tim Burton-style presentation universe. He went on to say that he has made peace with the fact that the film was never made and enjoys the place that the abandoned movie holds in Hollywood lore. That's always been a positive and a negative to me. The positive in that it left the char- that it left the character and what Tim and I might have gotten up to in the realm of the imagination, which is always more powerful than than uh, than it is concrete. Than when it is concrete, and a negative in that I would it would have been something special. Is there a chance, presumably, for him to pick this up project up again? Who knows? I think that's a really great point. I think that a lot mm-hmm. of things kind of build this nostalgia or like this like what it could have been yeah um and i do think a nick cage tim burton superman movie might have been incredibly special yeah i don't know i i I think or it could have been a disaster but we'll never like it's like the schrodinger's box of movies he, he has a really, really great point, though, I think, of just, like, we don't know, and maybe that's for the best. What do you think of this idea of him picking it up again? Would you want to see something like that? Like, is there a Batman Beyond of Superman? I don't know Superman. So my Superman isn't as good as Batman, mm. but I, I think there could be. I think you could easily do that. Like, have him be a dad with a kid. I mean, I Brightburn came out. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. three years ago. And that simultaneously feels like no time in years. <laughs> I know. I don't even know how to like comprehend I got, that. I got a push from my phone for pictures of when we went for a hike three years ago today out in Utah. I was like, that was three years ago. It's weird. It's so weird. Time is an enigma. Um <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think why not? I mean, the thing is, that's, like, I would rather have an original story, too. Like, I am so exhausted by rehashes and redos and reboots Mm -hmm. and sequels, and I want to see new things. That's why I think A24 is so important, because, like, they they may not hit all the time, but they are at least constantly trying to do new things. And it's another reason why I like books, because even if books, I mean, I think a lot of books, especially the adventure or fantasy ones that I read follow that hero's journey right Mm -hmm. but at least it's usually different there are different aspects different things that happen in it and i think that's why i'm drawn to books and kind of video games too because usually maybe same gameplay but a different kind of story yeah i feel like movies at least in the mainstream have just gotten so cookie cutter and safe oh yeah of course especially the more and more we get like the uh, you know, like, 
what is it called like the monopolies yeah. basically on all of as they buy it more and more and more of the market share it's just going to get more and more homogenized which is right you're right like it's it's your a24s and your spectrovisions yes your bloom houses that are going to take some risks and do some interesting things and i think that there's always going to be a market for that like maybe it isn't a market that's going to earn you 500 million dollars box office yeah like like you know as much as i am delighted to see another jurassic park movie well sort of delighted to see another jurassic park movie like the, there's no way that that movie is going to take a single risk no and, and that's the thing too is like and i don't want to give the person who was behind it any credit but if you think back to the 90s and mm-hmm. what the weinstein company did they mm-hmm. were scouring your film festivals like your sundances right yeah. and they were finding these movies and they had enough capital to bring it wide and people ate it up because that's what they wanted they wanted these unique stories Mm -hmm. and and there's a place for blockbusters like that's why that book i read the best movie year ever 1999 like we talked about the matrix but we also talked about um what was the one that you said you could relate to with reese witherspoon election Uh. And like <laughs> that's hurtful that you remember that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said that, so it's like no, I know, I know. <laughs> and, and and like and like your Blair witches and stuff, and it's just like, mm-hmm. like there is there are so many creative people out there, and I don't blame the people who are writing in Hollywood. I blame the executives for just playing it safe. I mean, for Christ's sake, like I, I have no interest in seeing the new Harry Potter movie for a multitude of reasons between right. J.K. and like. Johnny Depp getting replaced, even though I love Mads, like, as more comes out, it really seems like he he got, you know, you don't think so? From what I've been reading in, in the trial, it, it definitely seems like, I, I don't understand how he has been sullied in the way he has, and she has not. Like, she's still- I mean, in... I think they're both abusive, and that's the thing. It's like, I, I think there's this- I people want to like victimize him because he's well people want a good guy and bad guy they always want a right. clear cut and i i don't think it's i don't think that's the case i think they're both abusive and so like do i think she should face more consequences potentially sure but i don't feel bad for johnny depp because he was also abusive yeah. <laughs> well, it, I mean? it, it's also hard when she's still like the ambassador for the un for like women's rights yeah i wouldn't i mean i feel like people her, suck at, at the end of the her, day i guess people suck I don't know that she will ever achieve because this is so ugly. I do think that maybe he has lost in the court system, but she has certainly lost in the, in the public sphere, which is where fame and stuff like that exists and consequences tend to stick to women in ways that they don't to men. So even though he will have, have this awful, you know stigma to some degree like mel gibson is making movies again and he's making them with mark Wahlberg. you mean to tell me that if they don't think that there's a financial reason to give johnny depp a big blockbuster picture that he won't get it of course he will of course he will i think after this all comes through i think that he will see a renaissance of johnny depp of course of course especially because what they have not been successful in doing in, in the court they have been able to do in the court of public opinion like the fact that even you are kind of like, uh, I don't know. It speaks to how 
good of a PR I, campaign. I don't know. I heard like those audio tapes, you know. that That's the thing. For no, me. they're both super, of course, and they were leaked, right? Yeah. Like, a lot of the stuff was leaked by their each of their respective camps. Like, they're running a PR campaign. And the fact is, like, he did a lot of the shit that she's, he said. She said he did. Yeah, and she but also people are mad because off. she's. I mean, yes, they're both abusive. So, like, I would like to see them both face consequences. But, like, when people, like, are, like, I kind of feel like people are giving him more of the benefit of the doubt because, like, he has been, like, penalized in the court system. Yeah. But they're, he did these things. He still did them. So, like, he still should face whatever consequences he comes his way. But she also deserves some consequences as well. And it's messy, but... Yeah. But back to Fantastic Beasts, the thing that bothers yeah. me is that Warner Brothers edited out the Dumbledore's gay stuff for the Chinese release. Of course they did. The, it, we There is no ethical concern in a capitalist system. And it's like, just it's, so exhausting to me because it's like Hollywood is speaking out against like the, these all these new legislations that's coming out against um, anti-gay and anti-trans stuff. And then it's like at the same time you're doing this shit. Mm-hmm. It's like... The, yeah. Like, hypocrisy yeah. kills me it kills me so much in the end it's like if like i would respect you so much more if you were just like we aren't getting involved in it no matter what so you liked the initial response that disneyland had to the don't say gay bill to like be like oh you know we're just gonna stay out of it i think that disney has such a small leg to stand on because of what they have allowed to transpire under their watch in places like china yeah or japan where it's like you're, you're not allowed to be gay, but they have a Japan Disney World, or in like China where they filmed where they literally were having the genocide of the Uyghurs. Yeah, it's I'm like, like listen, I'm just asking in this at, for like, for me, it's like if if you are going to have would they have earned back more of your respect had they said ne- never said anything about the don't say gay bill? Yeah, I think so because it because really it, it, it's it's mean like it, it's just it doesn't seem real. I don't think they really care. No, I don't think so either. I think I it's think literally just for PR. I, I do not buy any of it. So here's where, like, here's the hair I will split. Mm-hmm. I don't, I believe, I agree with you. I don't think they give a solitary fuck about their <laughs> queer employees they and don't. queer people. They care about their bottom line. However, regardless of how they feel, they wield a great degree of economic power, which is the only power that actually exists in America. Um, and so doing the right thing for the wrong reasons can still have positive outcomes. Yeah. So that that's the hair I split. We'll, we'll like, see if they hold their ground. So I know I saw recently that oh, the saw what they did, right? is going yeah. to, he's threatening to pull away their uh, tax loop stuff. Well, we'll see what happens when they start pulling all of their funding of the, you know, you know, we'll see what happens. Like right now what we're watching is like, two groups kind of like wield seeing who has the most power in this situation at the end of the day like they donate so much money if they took all of that money and funneled it into like DeSantis's opponents that could move the needle you think it would it could I'm not saying it would I'm saying it could move the needle I think that that guy has that state I mean he's certainly this is probably a cage rage conversation so (laughs) We'll save this for later. Okay. But my point is, I think yes. Like you're more optimistic than me. I think. I, I I just. I am really not that optimistic. Okay. I, like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like for me, I'm like when people are like, I, I don't, I, you know, they're hypocrites. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. But 
what what is the outcome of that hypocrisy is it is it actually a net positive because if it is i will take your journey money i don't give a shit what you feel about you don't care about gay people i don't care about you but i will take your money if it's gonna like actually help some trans kids not commit suicide <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? like the stakes for the people who are impacted by this are so freaking high i don't give a shit about the ethics yeah that's where I stand, but like that, you know, you have a much stronger like. Yeah, we we've discussed it mo- multiple <laughs> times at long like that. That's like my biggest thing is like it's it's hard for me to do that. Mm-hmm. Like that, you get you definitely. I'd get rather spit in your principle. face and just tell you to go to hell and yeah, do it myself <laughs> some other right. way. But that's not real politic. Yeah. Speaking of that, are you ready to talk yes! about Vietnam? <laughs> Oh my god, I know. You're going to have to cut so much of this opening. I'm so sorry. Why? Do you think we should? I'll edit out the the heaven stuff, but this is fine. I mean, I feel like you could probably cut whole swaths of this. No, people know know what they're getting when they come on to the Nick Cage show. It is a... Do they? It is a bag of fun. (laughs) Yes. All right, yes. Everybody sit back, relax, and we're going to talk some Nick Cage and Matthew Modine. Oh, yeah. Okay, Rachel, I told you I did not look into any of the background of this oh, movie. Oh, good. Um, I'm very excited to hear what you have to say because this was an interesting watch. Mm-hmm. So, you keep using that word. <laughs> well, so now that we're in the review proper, I'm not sure if, like, I hated this or if I loved it or if I'm just, like, in the middle. It's... Well, I wonder if some of this will help illuminate that because I think – there is a fundamental core problem with this movie okay. and um, and it has to do with the adaptation of it. So let me tell you about this movie. Perfect. Let me tell you. All right. So this movie is a 1984 American drama based on a novel by the same name by William Wharton. This was actually his first novel. Um, and it was, there are some differences in the book uh, to what ended up on screen, including the setting and the time frame and kind of the focus of the book. The time frame um, wasn't Vietnam. No, it was actually World War II. That makes a lot of sense. Because the people do not feel like teenagers in the sixties. No, they, they feel don't. Like teenagers in the thirties. That makes so <laughs> much sense. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was directed by Alan Parker, who is an English filmmaker whose credits are actually kind of interesting and diverse. I, he, I've i seen some of his films. I did not realize they were all directed by the same person. He directed Fame. Oh, wow. Pink Flo- yep, Pink Floyd, The Wall. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Angel Heart. I've not heard of that one. Oh, that's the Mickey Rourke, Robert De Niro, Lisa Bonet, like sexy Southern devil movie. Ooh, okay, okay. We should, it's an interesting folklore we should definitely touch on at some point on one of our other projects. Okay. Um, Mississippi Burning. Oh, shit. That's a great movie. Yep. The Commitments. I don't know that one. Okay. And uh, Evita. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
And his final film was The Life of David Gale before he passed in 2020. I do not know that one. Okay. That is a, like an anti-death penalty film with Kevin Spacey in it. That is one of the kind of political topics that I have come way around on. Interesting. Well, we'll save it for the cage, right? Yes. <laughs> All right. So Parker was initially attacked. Tra- was initially attached to direct the film in 1978 when he was provided with an advanced copy of the book and was told it was going to be optioned. But after reading it, he like sent it back with a note saying like, great book, impossible to bring to the screen. Sure. Because so much of the book as it is written takes place inside Birdie's head and was written in a very literary style. Like a lot of it, like for instance, the stuff about what it feels to fly was, was in poem form. That would be very interesting. And thus is the crux of, I think, maybe where this movie doesn't quite, like, doesn't quite come together, is I do think. I think he was right with this initial interview. Yeah. Um, So he had moved on from it. However, in 1982, uh, two writers, Sandy Kroof and Jack Beer, had had adapted the film um, into a screenplay and had been shopping it around forever and it ended up back on Parker's desk where he he decided, okay, you know what, I'm going to make this film because they had made some pretty substantial changes to the original story, including, like I said, updating the book to take place before the Vietnam War, um, as well as focusing the book away from sort of the internal life of Birdie and his, like, love of flight and his passion for birds to the friendship that he and Al shared. Okay. Um. Yeah, because they had to do something about all of that eternal di- internal dialogue. Mm-hmm. So Parker, once he came on board, decided to commission the uh, artist who would do the score for this film. And he selected 1980s prog rock icon Peter Gabriel to write the score. For I the film. noticed that. Okay. Okay. Yes. This was his first film score ever and a very interesting choice. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Matthew Modine was the first cast uh, as Birdie, but he had actually auditioned for the role of Al at first. Okay. And Parker, like, took a look at his thing and said, nope, not Al. He needs to be Birdie because of his, quote, introverted, honest quality that best suited the character. Modine was a little surprised by the role. Uh, He says, I was flabbergasted. This is in an interview with New York Times, by the way. Okay. Called, like, yeah. Uh, I was flabbergasted because I hadn't auditioned for Birdie. I had never imagined playing the part of Birdie. So I really had to go through an extraordinary transformation in my mind of trying to bring this remarkable character to life. It was an incredible experience making the film. So Nicolas Cage was then brought on to play the role of Al, and he had actually applied for uh, the role, and so this is the one he wanted. And yet he faced some struggles of his own. This was his most emotionally challenging role to date, so he wanted to go like that extra mile to make sure that it was perfect right you know and we all know nick cage now is like this guy who never phones it in he goes 100 million miles an hour a thespian exactly and that um started at a very early stage of his career let's just say that nick cage uh walked so that jared leto could be a totally creepy weirdo (laughs) jared leto is yeah 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 i mean he to be fair, Nick Cage is not sending anybody used condoms or anything like that. Although he did go pretty method for this. I'm so glad <laughs> you didn't look this up because this is one of the things that blew my mind. Okay. Yeah. He lost 15 pounds for the role because he assumed that Al, ha- you know, later on, this is 
15 pounds for the parts where he is post-war because yeah. he assumed with the injury that is sustained in Vietnam, it would be hard for him to eat. Yeah. So he would naturally be skinnier. Um, he also wore the bandages for the entire shoot. He never took them off. Okay. So, like, when he's talking about the itching or the discomfort or all of that came from his method acting. Cool. Um, but, uh, so he says, um, I could have taken those bandages off, but I didn't. I left them on for five weeks. I slept in them. I'd wake myself up in the middle of the night and say, don't sleep on that side. That's the hurt side. But that's not all. Okay. <laughs> he did the, one other thing. Okay, because so far it's like, okay, okay. He had, he went so far as to have two of his front teeth removed without anesthetic. Why? He says, I wanted to look like I was hit by a bomb. It gave me a feeling of something I had lost. He shrugs off the sacrifice. I felt this was a once in a lifetime part and it deserved that much. <laughs> okay. So I was watching interviews with him after the fact, and I was like, how did I not notice he was missing teeth? Because, like, they're I didn't notice it either. prominent teeth. It's, well, it's, yeah. I mean, it was in these interviews with him. I told you I watched an interview with him and Matthew Boudin where they were high Yes, you did tell me that, yeah. <laughs> like, the t I, as someone who interviews people for a living, they were a nightmare. Like, <laughs> honestly, I think it was easier to pull the actual teeth than pulling answers out of Nick Cage in this interview. But then I really, like, when they switched to Matthew Modine, because they were doing them jointly, because they were really trying to, like, market the friendship of this um, mm -hmm. film, like, I, I was like, oh, they're fucking high. <laughs> Those dual interviews are always so interesting because you can tell, yeah. like, if they're actually friends or if they're there for, like, publicity. Like, we talked about, yeah. uh, I, th I think you and I talked about um, when Robert Pattinson was with Zoe Kravitz and he was talking about Final Fantasy VII, the video uh -huh. game. And how Zoe uh -huh. Kravitz just did not give a fuck. <laughs> and he was trying, <laughs> he was trying to get her to buy in, and she just did not give a fuck. And it's just oh, so. Oh no! So at least they're high. I mean, at least at least they weren't like. like I mean, they had they're I don't know if they're friends, but they had some bonding pre-interview for sure. I'll send you. I'll send now that you've heard all this. I'll send it to you. Perfect. Thank you. All right. So principal photography uh, began in May of 1984, and they shot in various locations, including a women's prison wing located in Philadelphia, okay. um, on a rooftop of an abandoned gasworks in Hercules, California, at the Newby Hill uh, Island landfill in Santa Clara County, okay. and where there were serious health concerns because of all of the actual exposed garbage. Uh, and the methane gas. So they originally were going to have him land in this reservoir 30 feet from the landfill, like a naturally occurring reservoir. Okay. But then they tested the water, and it was super, super hazardous. So they had to do all of this experimentation. They tried to do all these different things, and eventually they just had to construct a that little pond at the bottom of the hill okay. for him to land in because it was so unhealthy there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so basically this movie was shot in all of these towns that are around me, which is kind of fun. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, just kind of like these are all local places that I'm like, yep, been there, been there, been there. Well, I mean, not to the dump, but you know what I mean. Uh, okay. well, maybe so you have, no judgment. Right? Don't don't tell me how to live. One of my favorite scenes in all of cinematic <laughs> history is in Stand By Me when they're hanging out in the dump. Oh, my God. Did you see that interview with um, Jerry O'Connell and uh, Will Wheaton this week? No. Oh, it's, like, pretty sad. It was, like, basically Jerry O'Connell 
apologizing to Will Wheaton for not being more aware of like all the abuse that he was experiencing from his parents while they were shooting that. Oh wow. Yeah, I know. I love Will Wheaton. I anyway, do too. um, this movie marked the first time they it uh, uh it, first time any movie had been partially shot in a new technology called Skycam. <laughs> Which was a computer-controlled cable-suspended camera system that was created by the inventor of the Steadicam. I want to guess that's when uh, Birdie was flying. Ding, ding, ding. It was created to depict his uh, point of view during that flight. Yes. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work that well. <laughs> like, the first take was great, but, like, there was – it was – they wanted it to move faster or something, so they shot it again, and the camera broke. Okay. So they ended up basically having to create this, like, Steadicam, like, mount where they did, like, an improvised camera dolly on it, which mm, – we'll talk about that shot. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Birdie was released in theaters in 1984. It was received well by critics. Uh, it was chosen by the National Board of Review as one of the top ten films of 1984. It won the Grand Prix Special Du Jury Prize at Cannes in 1985. However, it did not do very well at the box office. Yeah. It, yeah, it grossed $1.4 million against a bil- uh, budget of $12 million, So pretty much a floppity flop, flop, flop. Uh, okay, so a couple other random bits of trivia. I couldn't really fit this into the narrative, but I thought they were interesting, so I'm just going to tell you right here at the end. Mm-hmm. A then-unknown Danny Glover was scheduled to make a speech as a bit player in this film. Really? But he kept, mm-hmm, but he kept botching his lines, and so his scenes were cut from the film. Where was he going to have a speech at? So he was going to be another bird aficionado that befriended Birdie. Oh, that would have been cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's a bummer. Okay. Yeah. In both the film and the novel, Birdie's name is never revealed. Okay. And finally, this is this is the film debut of actor Marshall Bell, who is a character actor that's been in many things, but forever will always be known to me as George, the host body of Quato in Total Recall. Rachel, you want another confession from me? No! <laughs> Shut up! Don't say you haven't seen Total Recall! Okay, I won't say it. Oh my! Well, I guess we know what your fourth movie is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> that just changed. <laughs> I, I, I said this in the Discord. I told people this review is going to be all over the place because as we get into plot, the plot's kind of all over the place. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so I think Vietnam is a very interesting area to explore in american history whether it be through books or music or film or whatever because there's so much that happened in that time period domestically internationally i think it's really really interesting and i thought Mm -hmm. as this movie kind of unfolded that it was going to be really cool i am you know as as someone who like like has a lot of the guy friendships like i never had a brother right so I have a lot of really close relationships with guys who I would consider my brother, right? Even though we aren't blood, like, I would do anything for them. And so this kind of story always really appeals to me, mm-hmm. especially because, like, they're both broken mm-hmm. in, like, different ways and trying to deal with it and, like, wanting to take him under his wing and, like, and, like giving up the, the girl he was hanging out with because he thought he was cool and, like, and, like Bernie standing up to his dad let me tell you my biggest con with the plot, and it's the reason why I'm, like, so stuck on where I'm at with this movie. Right. I didn't think Birdie was real. 
Oh, interesting. You thought he was like an imaginary friend? I literally thought it was like a Shutter Island kind of situation. Yeah. Okay. And so when... <laughs> yeah. like, and, 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 I, and I kept thinking like, is that like... Is, especially like with a lot of stuff with the dad stuff. Yeah. A lot of stuff dealing with his sexuality. A lot of stuff like dealing with like separating himself from what happened during Vietnam. Like all of these kind of things kind of built up in my head the weird questions that the doctor kept asking yes. about his own condition like as you're saying this i could see how that could totally you could totally feel and that so way. when the doctor came in at the end and like i didn't notice birdie under the bed and then like <sighs> oh shit yeah and so like i was like okay so this is what's happening and then like when he's like shaking birdie say hey talk to him talk to him but he won't talk when the doctor's the only one is just al there like I, I don't... You over there like, I'm too smart for this movie. They're not yeah. going to pull the wool over old Larry's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 but not only that, but I thought that was really interesting. Because yeah, no, there's so much about the character of Al and the character of Birdie that blend together. Mm-hmm. Not that that's a bad thing. I think close friendships are like that in a lot of ways. Like, it's like yeah. really close friendships that border on that brotherhood or sisterhood or whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. they, they, they bleed in together like like one of my really good friends roman like he and i grew up in the same hometown we had kind of similar fi- family issues and stuff and like there's just, and he, he didn't have a brother and neither did i like it was like, there's a lot of things about he and i that are very similar and i think that's interesting it's just i don't think they did enough with either of these characters to pay off like the journey we went on i don't know i i, I really struggle with it especially because like nick cage was so forceful as a sexuality and birdie was so like reserved and like we never and i don't know i i, I think it would have been a lot more interesting and i think the narrative was set up for them to be one and the same i mean as you're saying this i can totally see that that is I mean, and I think, I think what that is also a remnant of is the fact that it is kind of an unadaptable story. Yeah, what what you said actually helps me chew it a lot better because, like, mm-hmm. if they expanded the character of Al to tell the story fully, yeah, then that makes sense because they had to pull from what they had in the source material, and that would be Birdie's consciousness. So if mm-hmm. you're pulling that to create another character, you're going to get that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and what happens as a result is that one half of these two are totally inscrutable. Yeah. Like, there's no, I mean, I think Matthew Modine, I'm getting ahead of ourselves into acting, like, it's no shade to Matthew Modine. But I think the character itself, because he is, it's interesting that he is seemingly asexual and perhaps somewhere on the autism spectrum. Yes, 100%. There was, like, real discussion about what that means, the way that he is, like, hyper-focused. Which I did find interesting. I thought that was handled well and, like, not, like, shitty either. I thought that was really interesting. Yes. It is interesting. Like, it, it's um, a very kind portrayal, yes. but it also is not reckoned with in a way that allows you all. to get past, like, the wall. Like, you you as an audience member, member never get to see the part of Birdie that would make you love him the way that Al does. You know what I mean? And he remains opaque. And that's why one of, end. like, the best depictions, at least in what I have seen... Of, like, an autistic character, what you were describing, like, kind of learning them and, like, getting to connect with them was Rain Man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of autistic people would disagree. Oh, really? But, oh, yeah. But but oh. I do, I mean, 
I mean, I think that's our first intro. I think the issue is because, like, everybody thinks that's what autistic is, and it's just, like, one of the many ways sure. that autism sure. presents itself. But I do think it is a much, much more effective um, uh, empathy builder. Yeah. I'll agree with you absolutely there. Like, I think you do genuinely care about that character, mm-hmm. whereas it's harder to do so with Birdie, even though he's not being presented as in the same way that, like, Rain Man is he is clearly autistic yes. like that is the plot of this whereas we like from a modern perspective looking at the character recognize like this is an asexual like autistic character yeah but the um and i think i think that there's room for that in the like in film depiction like that someone's autism or their sexuality like non nor- heteronormative sexuality mm-hmm. can be just incidental to a character but i think it also has to be written in a way that you can connect with them on an emotional level and i think only al provides you that yes and so and i told it's harder to fully invest and i totally agree that because we've talked before maybe not on this podcast but somewhere and some recording we've talked about how like i prefer it especially in like in modern like cinema instead of like saying this character is gay you have like they're they're the victim or you have to care about them like Whereas their homosexuality or if they're trans or whatever, it's just just a part of their character. It's not their yeah. it's not their journey. It's just who they mm-hmm. are. I yeah. I find that so much more constructive because I think like they aren't defined like Birdie's not defined by the asexuality or the autism. Birdie is defined by his desire to want to fly and his desire yeah. to be, be different. I think that's totally fine, and I'm, and that's not yeah. what we're talking about here no. because I think you did a great no. job mm-hmm. of explaining that it's more. Like I said, it makes so much sense since you said that that's what Al got built off of because you can see it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I do think one of the other real strengths of this movie it is like an anti-toxic masculinity. I loved it, which is interesting. I loved it so much because it's a war film and, and like a coming of age film. Those those are two genres that can easily tip into like some really toxic things. They normally but do. But instead, it's about like this really like deep. T- there, that final scene with when he's holding him yeah. and like begging him to speak like I was just as cold and dead as I am sometimes like that did get me I think because it's such a totally unselfconscious like unreserved display of like vulnerable like masculine vulnerability and and love between mm-hmm. like platonic love between or maybe even not platonic doesn't matter the point is it's like a, a um, a truly raw and vulnerable sh- display of love between two men. Yeah. Um, and, and building I think on it's that, beautiful. And building on that, I, I, I agree with you so much because I feel like a, I feel like a lazier writer, like someone who really wasn't trying to adapt as best way they could, but I do think they tried their best, would have yeah. made them gay. I, I think they would have been a very like lazy kind of way out. But the thing is, is like, men do have close emotional relationships men do cry men do hold of each course. other of and course. to portray that and not have to like say well they're doing it because they're gay right to have it like right. they just love each other like you said platonically like, like that's mm-hmm. what it is and like, that's okay like they're both soldiers they both got injured in war like nick cage was a high school wrestling standout like and like and the other big thing for me too was like the vulnerability with with nick with his dad like nick was yeah. his like like really sexual like really good looking like yeah. great at sports but when it came to his dad like and that's something i can like understand like i'm not the same person when i'm around like my family and yeah i agree it's impactful when he cries when yeah. his dad slaps him and he cries oh, yeah i I, I i felt this movie did a lot of things that made me feel a lot of ways yeah and that was one of them is just like it is 
it's a mixed bag, right? Like it doesn't quite work, but that you take the pieces apart and there's some really amazing things about it. And it goes back to why I thought that they were one and the same because like when mm-hmm. Nick Cage is just standing there when Birdie's like, listen, like, I'm not afraid of you. Like you can hit me, you can do whatever you want, you can do what you want, but you're like, that was our car. Like you did something wrong. And but like Nick's not in the room. He's just like outside like crying when it's happening. Mm-hmm. Like... It, it like it, it helped it made me think what I was thinking but it also reminded me of um a prayer for Oamini's the book but the movie Simon Birch I mean I saw it a million years ago I don't remember it well, but basically it's like it's like the the character of Simon Birch is this very or Oamini in the book is this like he knows like he's going to die soon Oof. so like he's like he maybe I didn't see it. <laughs> so he he just doesn't care like he, he's going to do what he thinks is right even if like mm. and like his friend gets taken aback by that in a lot of situations because he's like like why are you like acting so irrational he's like i'm just i i don't know it's i liked it i there was there was there were a, like i said there were a lot of things about this movie i liked there were a lot of things mm-hmm. that i thought were missteps but like the the relationship between modine and cage mm-hmm. even though like i think they muddied it I think was beautiful, especially yeah. for early eighties. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. Cause you also have to think this is like height of gay panic over yeah. the AIDS crisis. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's a good point. Especially okay, because so... like we, 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 we've done other movies where, where Cage is a lot more alpha. Like we did cotton club for God's sake. And like mm-hmm. Modine, you and I have been texting about it, but he was in Vision Quest in the same year. And that's a super yeah. masculine movie if those who haven't seen it. <laughs> so like, it, 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 I don't know. I, I found it very interesting. And it's the reason why I, like, we've been talking about this, we've been all over the place, but like, it's why I think art house films are important. Because even if they miss the mark, even if they aren't commercially successful, I think they can open up conversations to really interesting takes right I, I i think watching mm-hmm. this movie then sitting around with people at a coffee shop around a fire and talking about it and breaking it down like we're doing right now is enjoyable it's something we couldn't do mm-hmm. in cotton club because there was no there there it was just but <laughs> no. there is something here to chew on um yeah and so yeah yeah so as great a job as they do with these male characters and i agree with everything you're saying i think it's super important i'm a, to see these. i'm already in agreement i know what you're gonna say <laughs> Ooh, this movie does not think very much of women oh god they are like, they inconsequential exist. yeah they aside from like their breasts they barely exist or to be like a shrew who kind of crushes a, a man like they're, they're those are the two types of women that exist in here like they they serve they're objectified as either like you know shrewish sexual objects or like maternal like baby like m- mommy baby um dynamics with the nurse um, did you feel it. that birdie's prom date was on the spectrum as well i mean i didn't that didn't strike me as I, more so that she was incredibly inexperienced okay. and just like did not know what to do so she just like put it out there and it did not go well because maybe that's what it, it, it was like it was their interaction in the car that made me think are they like i i think it also is a product of the fact that this originally took place in the 30s yes okay Okay. as opposed to the 60s (laughs) because that it's one of those weird remnants that i'm like no Mm -mm." yeah because that that whole situation like we know birdie was only there because his mom threatened to take the birds away so we knew why he was there but like 
it's the way she interacted but i think you said the inexperience because i i I thought even though she was in it so briefly i thought she was like the most well fleshed out like female character we had quite literally yeah she had like some (laughs) kind of arc fleshed out that that that's where you went with this <laughs> there there was a lot of boob in this movie yes there was a lot of boob in this movie there was a lot of boob in this movie <laughs> all right so acting what did you think of the acting in this um it made me like matthew modine more yeah he's great in this like he's asked to do a lot physically yeah um all of those prolonged scenes of him like perched on on um bed the bed frame or underneath the bed like he really delivers a tortured um and also like like animalistic nonverbal performance that is yeah. pretty incredible and I, I mentioned rain man but the problem with rain man is that like dustin hoffman's character sometimes seems like over the top yeah uh, that's what i'm saying yeah. like <laughs> a lot of people on the you know, I, I, I meant more the empathy atypical yeah i meant more the empathy side but the performance i i, I definitely see what yeah. you're talking about but for this like mm-hmm. everything with him is so subtle like the scene where yeah. like where it's not even sexual it's just like a release but in, not in a sexual way like after prom he comes home he strips down naked he gets into the birdcage and just like lays there like that whole performance because i know modine like said from vision quest obviously stranger things now but like full metal jack my name in the the chat right now is private joker like i i i I like matthew (laughs) modine a lot but i have never seen this kind of performance from him and i found it really moving like i i I felt Mm -hmm. like this was a young actor who was doing like vision quest was a big movie and obviously full metal jacket was kubrick so like yeah yeah but this was something different this was something special and i felt like it was a special performance i i really did yeah for the problems I that i did have i i felt like it was given 110 percent in a very sincere way yeah yep i agree with everything you said about matthew modine uh, i think nick cage is also pretty great in 100 percent agree i think and it's really especially interesting to watch because we are doing this the way they are watching how his his craft is kind of progressing yes. and i think you know as goofy as the stories are of him like not taking off the bandages and pulling off teeth and stuff i think he really goes for it here and manages to give a, an incredibly subtle performance especially in those moments like you said where he gets slapped and he cries in the back yeah. seat or or that final like it's it's so bombastic the final scene and yet it stays in this kind of place of um, realism hysterical reality yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah um no I, and so he's great at yeah this. i agree 100 percent. and that's like one of the things that like i really have enjoyed is like watching cage kind of grow right because we've, yeah. we've seen it and and the pulling the teeth out is fucking ludicrous but like <laughs> the wearing the bandages i think is like it's that makes sense. It, it, it's just smart because like you don't know what it's like i mean you, you can act but like to actually wear them and like to have that reaction like i think that's like an interesting thing like i think mm-hmm. and we didn't we, we, we passed it but like vietnam is just very interesting and like you said you made so many things clearer to me by the background <laughs> yeah. because they didn't touch on anything one of the things in my opinion that makes first blood their first rambo movie so powerful is that so this is where i confess i have not seen really it. no 
Okay, so it's based on a book, but um, yeah. the movie, like, what's so interesting is because of all the anti-war sentiment about Vietnam, when Rambo's, like, he's literally just walking through a town, and they hate him because he's a war vet, and something happens that triggers his PTSD, and then the whole mm-hmm. town's over-industrialized military comes after him. Got it. And so, it, it I mean, the first Rambo is a very interesting film. It turns into your... That's what I've heard. Yes. Yeah. yeah. First Blood is a very interesting film. But that is missing from this. But I think what Modine and Cage do is a really good job of, like, showing that, like, people come back from war broken. Like, I have some yeah. really close friends who have, like, deployed multiple times. And for the most part, they're the same. But if you sit around and talk to them, like they have experienced things that just like I have a buddy who saw someone die above him. You know what I mean? And like that fundamentally changes who you are, how you act, all that jazz. And so to see a movie show, not like they were both broken in their own ways. So it wasn't like there was one strong person like, Hey, you can get through this. Like it's not going to be that bad. Right. They were both Mm -hmm. broken and trying to help the other become whole again. And yeah. we talk about implied how there's some issues with that because of the characters melding. But I thought that Cage and Modine did a really good job of showing like the more broken side of what war can do to people. I mean, those are definitely the most poignant scenes. Those were much more affecting than some of the like coming of age stuff. A hundred percent. I thought the coming of age stuff w- did not hit and it makes sense because they were trying to film 30s 30 vibes in the 60s (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) although i did enjoy their like uh the bird the bird suit oh my god that 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 was that that was amazing that was he's like i am not gonna wear that that was (laughs) so good on the freaking thing (laughs) that was so good and again like it goes back to like we talked about a little bit earlier with stand by me is like coming of age can be done well it can be you can show oh, vulnerability absolutely. but like it takes a lot and i think that this movie mm-hmm. it does i think that's more maybe directing or writing but when it comes to acting i thought that these broken soldiers trying to make themselves whole with each other was very interesting yeah definitely i agree all right directing i think we gotta talk about this guy cam yes <laughs> It's just so out of sync with the rest of the film. Yeah. That it felt silly to me. It felt... I understand what they were trying to do. Like... Yes. Like, we discussed it, right? It was, like, that release. It wasn't, like, a sexual release. It was Birdie finally flying. You could have done it so much differently. I... It... It was too long. It... Yeah. It went to places it didn't need to, like, not like, like, so did matter, but like locations, you know what I mean? So, and here's why I think you're right. Uh, yeah, there is a purpose to it, but I don't think it lands. It's, yeah. it's this idea that he can rise above the darkest things in his life, that he can fly away from them, that freedom is flight is freedom because he can rise above the the dark stuff Mm -hmm. and i only know this because i read interviews yeah because i don't think it comes through no and and i think you could have accomplished that in different ways like maybe when you were shooting some of those scenes like they don't have drones but like you could have like had like a dolly and like when you're shooting some of the scenes like where it is dark like show like the camera would pan up from that you know and like look for it i don't know it just 
when you do experimental things with the camera, sometimes it lands like Halloween with John Carpenter, that opening scene, right? There's a, or with uh, Hitchcock, right? There are, there are times where they take risks and it pans out. This was a miss. And it's a shame because I get what they were trying to do, but it it did not work for what they were trying to do. And like you said, this movie that borders on this like sense of like dream to realism, but it's like hovering right there on this boundary. Mm-hmm. It misses the it, like it takes you out of it. I think part of it is because it's too low. Yeah, I agree. It's too low, so it just feels it feels like a dolly cam of some kind, as opposed to flight. I don't know if you do like a green screen because, like, when you go back and watch like Willy Wonka, right? When they take the the glass elevator up and they're flying over the town, it should have been that high up. Yeah. Oh, or do they did in birds and like have a painted background? Like, I don't need to see Birdie flying through the sky like Peter Pan. But you could have done something like... Let's get some matte paintings. <laughs> yeah. Like, it worked. Like, there's a reason why they did it for so long. And yeah, I think the desired effect could have been a lot better. I agree. It just didn't... It didn't work. And it, to me, it just stood out. Badly. Like, all of a sudden, I was like, we... This doesn't fit with the aesthetic and the style of this film. And it, it didn't feel dreamlike. It felt... I could feel the mechanism. I could feel the mechanic 100%. of it. 100%. I could not agree with you more. Like, it didn't have that feeling of flight. It felt like a feeling of Was this of his first movie, rail. Rachel? No. No, 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 no. Yeah. Like I said, I, I we know it's art house. We know they were doing, like you said, it was the first time they kind of used this new technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but similarly to, like, when you watch some old CGI, like the first CGI, right? Some of them hit, some of them don't. Even today, the mm-hmm. same thing. Like, if you can't do it, go back to the tried and true stuff. Because you can you can lose an audience. Yeah. Yep. Um, any uh, my other thoughts with this, and this might be more of a script issue, is that this thing jumps around so much. I found myself getting lost in the plot quite a bit. Like there, I didn't feel like there was a real through line. There wasn't. It just jumped around a little too much, and that might be an editing problem or a script problem. But one of the things I look for a director to is to kind of like take my hand and guide me through this even if it's surreal and strange and you know yeah christopher nolan does a great job Dreamlike. with that like with the prestige yeah. or memento like he does a great job of like we're going to yeah. get weird with it but you're you'll know where you're at right even like even lynch you know yeah. what I mean? like when we yeah. get into some like really weird right. strange art house like i always feel a bit of a guiding hand like it's a little bit through a fun house mirror but with this i found myself kind of like whiplashing no and i i think that part of it goes back to like our characters are one but they're separated yeah yeah so you start talking about al's past or al's history or all that jazz and it's like but you're not though <laughs> like you're talking about al through birdie and right. so like that's why i think they should have picked one character and like yeah i agree and it should have been out yeah and, and, and like done their <laughs> journey or in like mm-hmm. their perspective of their friend's journey through their lens instead of hopping back and forth because it creates a mess. Right. But it also would have given us a better insight into Birdie himself. Yeah, I agree. Because Al loved yeah. him. Like, mm-hmm. like Al, through all of their fights, all of their disagreements, through everything, Al loved him. Yeah. And I, you, yeah, I agree. Like I said, it, it, that's why I said, like, when we were talking about it, it's like, I didn't hate this movie. No. There were parts that made me want to love it, but in the end, it's just yeah. it's just kind of messy. 
Yeah. On the outer I, edges. The acting was fantastic, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's more of, like, an execution problem. It's not – but it has nothing to do with the performances. And it speaks to uh, him as a director that he got those performances. I agree. they are really pretty great. And I think the shots of Birdie – in in the hospital all of those like late night shots are really really well done that sense of isolation that it creates is very very effective i totally agree it's 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 just i don't know like i said it could be a script or an editing problem but i just really struggle to kind of stay with the movie in some places i was with you 100 percent. all right cage line would you like to go first <laughs> uh it's up to you yeah go first go first <laughs> All right, here we go. <clears throat> now this I want this speaks to the excellent writing of this film, like the lyrical <laughs> nature of the dialogue. Okay. <clears throat> Mammary glands. Mammary glands. No, we're talking tits here. <laughs> Big tits, round tits, fleshy tits, full tits. <laughs> I could have never <laughs> delivered that line. <laughs> I, I couldn't have. We, we we did tell everybody there's a lot of boob in this movie. Yay. <laughs> uh, mine is a little less than that. Uh, it's maybe life is shitty. It is shitty. I'll tell you something. I'm not trying to pin life anymore. I don't even fucking understand it. I just want to make it through with some dignity like everybody else. Mm. I do love how you and I just that... unconsciously <laughs> pick the opposite spectrum. So that's good. We sure did. And I think it speaks to Nick Cage, yeah. right? That he pulled off both of those lines. This movie goes everywhere. Okay. So now we have to put it right. in a category and we have to yeah. rank it. I will give my category first, since you were so gracious okay. to deliver your mammary glands line. Uh, You're welcome. My, my category is the fortunate son Nick Cage fan. Oh, that's a good one. I went way more literal, but that's a very good one. Thank you. Uh, okay, hold on. Ranking. I'm just pulling up the docs because I, I forgot I need to rank this. I haven't <laughs> thought about it. Okay. Oh, wait. That's the Here's Johnny ranking doc. <laughs> <laughs> ranking. Yes, there we go. So I went with, and like I said, I went a little more literal with this because I was thinking, like, who needs to watch this? Okay. Um, and I think the person who needs to watch this is the 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 Nick Cage Oscar winner scholar. So, like, if you're someone who wants to pick, like, if you're the adventure that you're choosing on the Nick Cage journey is, I want to see how he became this version of Nick Cage, yeah. the one one of his many personalities. And I think this is an important signpost on that road. I could not agree with you more. Now we have the hard job. Oh, Our current yeah, rankings are hard. Pig and The Rock. No. One, two. Okay. They both have asterisks for now. Mm-hmm. Then we go Valley Girl, Family Man, Racing with the Moon, Prisoners of the Ghostland, The Best of Times, and Cotton Club. Okay. I think I know. If I, I were to place it, it, personally, I think I would put it above Valley Girl. Whoa. Okay. But I, but that is more because I do really like the really emotional, open relationship between mm. Modine and Cage. And it might be because Modine's in it too and seeing them play off each other because I, I do love Matthew Modine. Um, but that's where I am inclined. Where do you think it should go? See, I was thinking, 
I didn't think you would put it past the family man because I know how much you love that. I do that, love that, that movie. That... I do. <laughs> and I think that there's to me I was thinking how like this thing is essentially like another version of a less good version of racing with the yeah. moon because I think that one hits better. But the reason we dinged it was because he was a a smaller part of the film, whereas this one, he is a co-lead. Yep. So to me, I was thinking, and I would I would be willing to go wherever you want. Like, I think he's really great in this. I think this is his best performance that we've seen of Vintage Cage. Yes. Obviously, Pig is his best performance. <laughs> but, like, a Vintage Cage, this one's the best one. So I would be okay with it going. Where would you put spot. it? Where would you think about putting it? I was initially thinking I would put it between Family Man and Racing with the Moon. Like, above Racing with the Moon, under Family Man. But... How do you feel compromising and putting it below Valley Girl but above Family Man? I I totally accept this. Cool. We, yep, we, we are a democracy here. yeah but i I, this feels right to me i i I agree like i said i I think i am talking about it and like finding out a lot of things that answer a lot of my questions that makes me feel a lot Mm -hmm. better about it yeah and i think he he is above reproach in terms of his performance oh yeah i i I said even like pig is uh, we already discussed pig but i mean i think this is without a doubt even with the rock which i do love i think this is his best performance besides pig yeah. I mean, listen, The Rock, we're not there for his, like, no. acting chops. Like, that is a charisma performance. Yes. <laughs> and he brings the charisma times 10. Whereas yes. this one, he brings the, the – this is the thespian version of him. I love the way you break it down. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to yeah. wrap this up, and then we're going to head into the closing. Okay, so we need to do some talking and planning. We can do it through messaging or whatever, but the next episode is going to be The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Hell yeah, I'm so hyped. I can't wait. It's going to be our first Cage review, going to the theater to see a Cage Ah! movie. Yes. I'm very, very excited. Um, Tentatively, we have The Boy in Blue. Um, mm-hmm. as the next episode which is going it's 1986 so it's like the next one in line and we were talking about yeah. not wanting to skip over like or, or to mm-hmm. do all the gems at once right it's tempting but we can't do it we must so be i have an, a question uh-oh <laughs> what is it do you want to do like one of the newer ish ones that like would just be a really funny review I'm thinking G-Force. Oh, that's right. He's a voice in that, isn't he? He is one of the gerbils. <laughs> For our one-year our, our uh, one year anniversary, yeah. we're going to do G-Force? Or something, like, or something like that. Like one of the newer yeah. ones that's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, we yeah. Could, Let's look. We, we could talk about it. We could, we could do like Left Behind. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That way we, we leave the 90s, like, for very, very special occasions. Yeah, because, I mean, like, that's... I mean, there's a handful of moderns, obviously, but the peak is that there's that window of the 90s. But we're, like, getting through the 80s. You know what happens after the 80s, right? The 90s. <laughs> and we're already into 1986. We're almost... We're, like, halfway through the 80s at this point. 
so it's about to it's about to be all 90s all the time yeah and there are a couple of interesting ones i thought we could do but i I, the more you say it i think that the 90s like that's gonna be a very special time when we go through it yeah and not only that but i also think like we want to save those for like specials like if we have someone so i also don't want to lose sight of the progression right like i kind of that's a good point i want to see them in context like if we had watched this thing out of context we probably would have a different perspective oh rachel we're we're not skipping this the cover is nick cage with five pound weights oiled up with a bandana this what this boy in blue thing i thought it was going to be another like like a military sad nick cage the story is based on the true story about the life of toronto's scholar ned hanlon (laughs) okay so it's a it's a rowing movie what oh we are not yeah we'll do that (laughs) this is like peak sexy cage and he's gonna be rowing oh we are not skipping yeah (laughs) it is it is it is a film about crew so okay we'll stick with it Mm. oh man that's gonna (laughs) it's you never know what's coming next but yeah so that's our next two episodes uh do we have any emails we do not okay perfect uh so as always if you want to submit some nick cage artwork send it our way we'll use it for the show art um if you have any emails send it our way too we are contacted at nick cage at zombie girls g-r-r-l-z dot com um we've gone long and we haven't even gotten into the extended no but what we we can do the extended like a little shorter. Oh I'm, no, <laughs> okay. I I am I, I I need this kind of cathartic release. It's, okay. It's been, it's been a week. And, and plus, when people listen to this, because we'll be editing it, editing down some of the stuff, it won't be as long. Yes, that's but, true. That is true. Yeah, that's all I got, Rachel. Any last thoughts? Ah, uh, just that I can't wait to get my eyes on uh, Nick Cage Coxwain. That's all. <laughs> It's a rowing term. I know, I know. That's why I laugh. (laughs) Everyone, thanks for hanging out and make sure you head to the theaters to see the unbearable weight of massive talent. We can't wait to discuss with you. Cannot wait. See ya. (laughs) Bye, everybody. sinnings from last month we both yes. chose movies yes i had to watch and i definitely watched mine on time and did not delay the <laughs> podcast because i totally forgot to do it because my brain is garbage i will go first because it's been a long time coming for me with this movie yes okay all right hold on. i gotta like steal myself i need to like get my my endoskeleton strong because I'm afraid you're going to say sad things. I have never seen the Terminator or any of the Terminator movies. Okay. Okay. So okay. Rachel had me watch the OG. Mm-hmm. It was really mm-hmm. good. Yeah! I did not realize that Arnold was a bad guy. Yes! He's the Terminator. Well, I, I, thought, he was, I, I thought he was a good guy. I thought he fought like That's the Silver T2. Surfer dude. 
that's T2. And so, <laughs> so that's what I was basing it on. Uh, I was a little bit concerned because I thought that your guy, Beam. Yes. Thought that was. Kyle Reese. Thought that was uh, her kid. <laughs> right, because you knew the name Kyle. Or you knew the name Kyle Reese, Yeah, right? so I thought that was so her like... kid. And then there was the love scene. And I was like, oh my God. But that wasn't what it was. <laughs> No, 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 no. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, like logically, time wise. Like, how did John O'Con? How did John Connor exist? Yeah. If, pre- but who cares? But it it's was Terminator. it was so much fun. A lot of the special effects, because I've watched Aliens now with you. You can mm-hmm. see how Cameron got better at what he was trying to do. Yeah, um, you could tell that like, he was really trying to push what was capable back then. Yes. yes. And like some of the CG, like some of the effects don't work well. Like. It does look like Arnold at certain points when he's like working on himself in the mirror in particular is one of the scenes. Yeah. But yeah. like it's a super great movie. It's got a lot of action without a lot of gore. Um even like a mm-hmm. lot of brutal action without that gore. Um Yeah. I dug it. I thought it was like I thought it was a great time. Uh I was actually really oh, bummed so out because T two isn't on Amazon, so I'll have to rent it at some point. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of people feel like it's the best. Me, I'm a Terminator OG fan, but a lot of people like the second one. I just, I, I thought it was great. I thought, like, one of the things I liked is I know we've talked about, in several different locations, <laughs> seems to be a theme, <laughs> is that... We did hang out everywhere. Yeah, it, it, is that, uh, what's his face? Cameron, he is a big fan of a female protagonist who gets stronger mm-hmm. as the film progresses. Yes. And you can see mm-hmm. him working on that here because Sarah, and T2. <laughs> yeah. Cause Sarah Connor is very vulnerable. She's very timid. She's very weak. Even, even more so than like what we was established, but like, but you can see that he, he's trying to take her on a journey to make her stronger. And yeah. I like that. Like I, I've mm-hmm. got plenty of movies of guys growing right and i I think it's i i I really enjoy it i think it's a really interesting thing that james cameron does because not a lot of directors do that um Mm -hmm. but i liked everything about it i there's a lot of actors who like surprised me seeing like the guy from Mm -hmm. gremlins who was the gun shop owner yep a lot of great character actors in it yeah did you see baby bill pullman yes i did at the very beginning yeah i did (laughs) i I saw that too and it was just i I thought that this was a really fun movie. It's another one that I'm kicking my butt that I haven't seen it before. Devin's even like, you really haven't seen it? I was like, no. Uh, I'm excited because most of what I knew pop culture-wise, obviously, was coming from the second one. Because I yep. was waiting for yep. like, the Lava Pit to show up. I was waiting for the Silver nope. Surfer. I remember nope. I, I remember in my head, there's like a bike chase scene through like a, a yep. river divot or something. Yep, that's T2. So I will be watching T2. Yeah.